0: Good morning, Hacienda. The last time I was with you is during the COVID blip. That was like in 2021 when everything was abnormal, and we're back to normal, and uh, praise God that he's provided a pastor for you. Praise God that there are growing children in our midst, and it's a joy to be with you again. Um, I appreciate that your pastor gives deliberate time to prayer, and I would like to pray and ask the Lord's help as we spend time in his word. This morning as well. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father in heaven, we thank you that we could come to your throne of grace with boldness because our Lord Jesus Christ has entered into the Holy of Holies to secure a place for us. We pray your great name would be glorified and honored as we gather and listen to your word. We pray your greatness, your power, your beauty, your mercy would be put on display through the preaching of your word. We also pray your kingdom would come in our lives and the world pray you would help us kill the desires of the flesh, and that we would live in joyful obedience under your rule. We pray for the flourishing and growing of this church that would bear fruit, increasing the knowledge of you, being strengthened with all your power, for joyful endurance and thanks because you have given us your Son who has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us in the kingdom of your beloved Son in whom we have the forgiveness of sins. We pray for Pastor Jason and his wife. Continue to bless their marriage and their children. may be a reflection of Christ's love for his bride. Bless Pastor Jason's ministry here. Help him to keep a close watch on his life and doctrine so that he would ensure salvation for himself and his hearers. And Lord, we thank you for giving us everything we need, both our physical bread and our spiritual bread, the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we have forgiveness. Remove from us all malice and envy and hatred as we forgive others so that we could receive your word with all humility and meekness. We pray you would equip us and strengthen us by your word in this gathering today so that we may fight against the spiritual forces of evil that seek to rule and subdue us. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you have a Bible, please open to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, uh, 26 and 27 will be our text this morning and if a preacher wants to make a congregation feel guilty, he can preach on the topic of evangelism, on giving, or on prayer. And today I'm going to preach on the topic of prayer and my goal is not to make you feel guilty but to encourage you in your prayer lives to turn a duty into delight. As I was preparing for this message, I uh, reread Tim Keller's book on prayer, and the opening lines of his book, Prayer, says, I did not begin to learn how to pray until the second half of my adult life. And three things deep in his prayer life that he said in his book. He said, 9-11, a diagnosis of his wife, a sickness that his wife had, and his diagnosis of thyroid cancer so he learned how to pray through suffering and through the psalms martin lloyd jones one of the greatest preachers of the 20th century confessed he never wrote a book on prayer because he felt inadequate in his prayer life so if these two great men of god struggle with prayer i'm sure you struggle with prayer as well Uh, i confess that i struggle with prayer and i need to discipline myself to pray You see, the bread and butter of the Christian life is the Word of God and prayer. That's the most basic essentials to helping you grow as a Christian. Prayer is so basic to the Christian life, just as exhaling should be normal to physical life. Uh, I know I'm in my middle age now because now I have to go to Kaiser more times than I would want I had to get tested for sleep apnea. That's just a fancy way of saying you have a snoring problem. But as, as I am getting tested for this, I'm, I'm watching the video, and, and they say that uh, you, you need to breathe properly and receive proper oxygen uh, if, if you're going to be a healthy individual. Receive, receive oxygen and ex- exhale so that your heart rate can be at a normal rate. Well, if there's something off with your, your Bible reading or if there's something off with your prayer life, that could lead to some spiritual heart disease. Because like I said, prayer and the ministry of the Word is the bread and butter of the Christian life. So I believe that you probably desire to pray uh, better than you normally do. And God desires that you pray better than you are doing right now. The Westminster Catechism defines prayer as an offering up of our desires unto God for the things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Tim Keller defined prayer as simply connecting Jesus to your absolute helplessness, your sense of fragility and dependence when we feel completely helpless we should be more secure in the knowledge of that God is with us and is listening to to our prayer. But the common thread in in these definitions are adoration of God, humility before God, in confession, dependence upon God, and thankfulness to God. And beloved, God knows that you need help in prayer. And I wanna encourage you that God sends a helper in the Holy Spirit One commentator said that the verses we are looking at are one of the most important passages on prayer in the New Testament. And I want to ask the question how does God help us in our prayers and and why do we need help? How does God help us and why do we need help? God helps us through the Helper, through the Holy Spirit. And we need help because number one, we are weak, number two, we are ignorant. And number three, we need help in obedience to God's will. Three reasons why we need help, because of our weakness, because of our ignorance, and our need to grow in obedience. Romans 8 is in the context of assurance and eternal security and suffering. Romans 8 has been called the the greatest chapter of the Bible, Some argue it's the greatest letter of the Bible. And in Romans 8, uh, Paul has just described that we are no longer condemned. The the spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Uh, We who are born again are now led by the spirit of God, who who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We, We are heirs of Christ because we mortify or we kill sin by the spirit We commune with God as Father, and Jesus as our elder brother. And in Romans 8.18, there, Paul begins a discussion about suffering, and he says that the creation is longing, the creation is groaning to be liberated from suffering. And in Romans 8.22, there are three groanings, the creation groans to be liberated. It's personifying creation, wanting to be liberated from the curse. Uh, the redemption of our bodies in verse 23 and then in verse 26 you see the spirit groaning again the holy spirit is a person he's the third member of the trinity we saw in romans 8 that the holy spirit sets us free he sets our minds on the things of the spirit he indwells us in verse 9 he gives life to our mortal bodies in verse 11 He helps us mortify sin in verse 13. He leads us in verse 14. He bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And now we see in this passage that the spirit groans within us. And we have to see that this this passage on prayer is set within the context of suffering, but also it's set in a Trinitarian context. John Stott has said that prayer is in itself essentially Trinitarian exercise. It's access to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. The inspiration of the Spirit is just as necessary for our prayers as the mediation of the Son. And we can approach the Father only through the Son and only by the Spirit. So just to give context, it's in the context of suffering and a Trinitarian context. And the Spirit will help us because we are weak, we are ignorant. And we need help in obedience. So read along with me God's holy word in Romans 8, 26, and 27, which says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts know what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Why do we need help in our prayers? Why do we struggle in our prayers? Number one, because we are weak. Because we are weak. The word uh, help is used here. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. It's an interesting word. It's found in Luke chapter 10. Uh, Verse 40, where uh, Mary and Martha, the two sisters, you remember that story? Martha is preparing potluck for the church, preparing the donuts. And uh, what is Mary doing? According to Martha, she's doing nothing. She's just sitting there at Jesus' feet, listening. So what does Martha say to Jesus as she is distracted with much serving? She went up to Jesus to complain. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Another usage of the word is it has the idea of come to the aid of or come alongside or bearing a burden. It's it's the passage that Pastor Jason read in The Call to Worship where two animals are are yoked together. So that's the idea of help. The, The Spirit helps us. He comes alongside us. To help us in our prayers. It's the idea of carrying something together. Animal yoke to another animal. A person helping another person. So the Spirit, who is also known as the helper, comes and assists us in our prayers. And He knows that He comes. He knows we are weak. And weakness here can refer to just living in a fallen creation. Dealing with a fallen nature. Uh, Three things come to mind when I think about weakness. I think about, number one, physical weakness. Physical weakness. Think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? The, the night before he was going to be crucified. He, he tells his disciples, watch and pray, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go and pray, and, but you watch and pray. And then three times he, he comes to his disciples, and what does he find his disciples doing? They're snoring away. They, they have a sleep apnea problem. They, they, they are snoring away because they are physically weak. And the Lord says, into the hands of sinners I am betrayed as Judas comes. So we, we are simply just physically weak. I usually wake up at, at early in the morning, and sometimes in my devotions I fall asleep. Uh, I'm sure in your times, in your prayer times, or your devotional Times you may have just been physically weak where you just cannot comprehend what God is saying to you because of physical weakness. Sometimes my children fall asleep during my sermons. Some of you are sleepy during my sermons right now because you stayed up watching Netflix late, late last night or did not go to bed early. So, so we need help because we're physically weak. Number two, we're, we're also spiritually weak. Remember in Romans chapter seven, Paul says, I desire to do the good but in fact, I do the very thing I hate. He says that there's two competing principles in me. And he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. We are spiritually weak. And then there is emotional weakness. There is emotional weakness. trials, suffering can, can really beat us up. Life in all its circumstances, without God's help, can cripple us. Life is hard. Life is tough. I think about the story in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah, he, he, he confronts the prophets of Baal. He has this great victory. And then in 1 Kings 19, Jezebel finds out all that Elijah had done how he killed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this tomorrow. In other words, Jezebel is saying, I'm coming for your head. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. So weakness encompasses all of that, physical spiritual and emotional weakness so therefore life discourages us and and we are even at times too weak to pray because we live in a fallen creation because we have a fallen nature because of our unbelief, our discouragement, our laziness or even indifference, we are weak Well likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness what? comforting truth, that is. God gives us hope in suffering because He is going to liberate the creation from its bondage, and likewise, He has given us the Spirit to help us, to sustain the soul to help us in time of trial. Matthew Henry, the Puritan, says that the Spirit As an enlightening spirit teaches us what to pray for. As a sanctifying spirit works and stirs up praying graces. As a comforting spirit silences our fears and helps us over all discouragements. The Holy Spirit is the spring of all desires toward God, which are often more than words can utter. The spirit who searches the hearts and can perceive the mind and the will of the spirit, the renewed mind and advocates advocates his cause. The Spirit makes intercession to God and the enemy prevails not. You have a helper when you are weak, Christian. You have this glorious helper called the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that uh, some of the older atheists like Karl Marx and Nietzsche uh, said that Christianity is for the weak. In some sense, it is true. Marx said that Christianity is the opium or the drug of the masses. Nietzsche said that Christianity keeps men weak. What was Marx's solution? A revolution. What was Nietzsche's solution? Embrace meaninglessness and seek power to make your own destiny in a meaningless world. These philosophies that would eventually inspire Hitler to slaughter the Jews, and the establishment of communism in some of the most the world's most oppressive societies. What is the Bible solution? Well, the Bible tells us that we are weak, and God helps the weak. In fact, the paradox of the Christian life is that we find strength in our weakness to show that we are not self-sufficient, that we are not sovereign independents, that we are dependent upon Almighty God for everything that we have in this life. Christianity is a religion for the weak. And God delights in helping and serving His people. Or Isaiah 57, 15, For thus says the Lord, who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with Him who is contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Or Psalm fifty. 5, verse 22, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. We can call upon God in the day of trouble and God delights to deliver us so that we can magnify him. God loves to magnify his name and one of the ways he does that is helping us in our weakness. The Lord says, let me carry your burden. I am gentle and lowly in heart. And the Holy Spirit carries the burdens of our heart to a gracious Savior and a loving Father. God knows that you are weak, and God loves to glorify Himself in our weakness. The reformer John Calvin, in his Geneva Catechism, knew that people were weak in their prayers, so what he suggested to individuals and families, to congregations, is to schedule time for prayer, schedule time for prayer. He knew because of human weakness, we have to be disciplined and structure our times in prayer. And again, this is some good advice here, but um, Calvin suggested we pray five times a day. uh, Number one, when we rise in the morning. uh, Number two, before we study or do our daily work. uh, Number three, when we sit down to eat food. And number four, when by the blessing of God, we have taken it. And number five, when we when we go to bed at night, because he knows that we're physically weak. Uh, I thought that was great advice to, to start your day with prayer, to end your day with prayer, uh, and have some midday prayers. And, and that's how Calvin helped disciple his people in their weakness in regards to prayer. The Spirit also, beloved, uses the body of Christ to help us carry each other's burdens. Um, Pastor Jason Rivette has a Nine Marks tattoo And I'm sure he would say, the directory, pray through the what? Pray through the directory. Pray through the directory. Cycle your prayers for God's people as you help the weaker brother through your prayers. God will strengthen brothers and sisters in your prayers. See, the devil wants you to believe that you don't need help, that you can do it yourself. Uh, The devil wants to make you think that you're self-sufficient. You see, to become a Christian, the the, the beginning steps is to admit that you need help, to admit that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I, I need the help of another. I need the help of the advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has come to save me from my sins. So faith essentially is really receiving the help of Christ who is willing and gracious to save those who are helpless. Amen to that, right? gracious Redeemer, but this gracious Redeemer sends us His Spirit. Second of all, we not only need help because we're physically weak, but we need help because we are ignorant. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. I have five kids, and uh, some, some of my kids, um, they have more better theological prayers than others, but... Uh, One of my kids in particular, the only thing they pray is, Lord, thank you for this day. Amen. And that's all they pray because they don't know what to pray for. Well, the Spirit also knows that we do not know what to pray for because we don't have an omniscient mind. I was helped by John Owen. Uh, John Owen was a Puritan, and uh, he did a master class on prayer and the Holy Spirit. Uh, So I commend you his works if you want to grow in your prayer life. But he says three... Three reasons why we do not know what to pray for. Number one, we do not know what to pray for because we do not often know our real needs. Number two, we often don't know what to pray for because we don't know the real bearing of God's promises on our needs. And number three, we often don't know our own motives in our prayers. So we don't know what to pray for because we don't know our own needs. We don't know the bearing of God's promise on those needs. And and, and thirdly, because we often don't know our own motives. Psalm fifty-one, verse six says behold you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret hearts think about the apostle paul um the apostle paul in second corinthians was given a thorn some type of affliction we don't know whether that was a spiritual affliction or or, our our physical affliction and and he prays god remove this thorn from me after describing his visions of heaven and what does god say to him Says no, my grace is sufficient for you. Even the great apostle Paul did not know what to pray for, or Paul in Philippians, he's in jail. He he says, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I? I cannot tell. Should, I'm hard pressed bef- between the two. My my desire is to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So, so should Paul pray that he deli- be delivered from prison? Or should Paul pray that he have boldness to proclaim the gospel in prison? Or should we pray for deliverance in suffering? Or should we pray for strength in suffering? Or do, do we, do, like Paul, do we, do we pray for boldness to pro- proclaim Christ in difficult circumstances, or do we pray to get out? Or, I was, uh, again, there's nothing new under the sun, but in Calvin's Geneva, during the time of plague, Calvin told all his ministers, you must stay with the sick and visit the sick. And they didn't have COVID vaccines back then, so if they would go... That would mean the end of their lives to visit some of these sick people. Um, so what the pastors did there was cast lots, <laughs> and those who were were uh, had the lot. They would go visit the sick, but but that's a stru- tough one. Do, do I pray to be delivered from sickness, or do I pray to have strength and courage to relieve and pray for the sick? That's a tough one. Or what about a missionary? Should they should they pray? To be strong in persecution, or should they pray to leave the field? How many times as a pastor I've prayed that God will relieve the suffering of my own people in my flock? And God apparently said no. God healed that person, but he didn't. Save that person, and he didn't. What in the world is God doing? Jesus Himself experienced the common temptations we experience. And even the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, my, my soul is troubled, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name, or not my will, but your will be done, O Lord. And that's why there's this really interesting phrase here in verse 26 where it says, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep with words you ever ask people on a sunday how are you doing and then they go i'm good (laughs) i'm good uh... so sometimes i i just want to ask people that anymore i'm just how are you really doing Uh, because if you say good that means either your life is falling apart or you're actually really good so I, i can't i can't tell the difference so tell me how you're really doing and sometimes people are just groaning because there's some hidden burden that you don't know about, some hidden trial that you don't know about that they experienced during the week, and and they are groaning in their hearts. Groaning is a sign of burden bearing. I think about the story of Hannah. Remember Hannah in 1 Samuel? Um, She was longing for a child. The Lord did not give her a child. So in 1 Samuel 1, Hannah was deeply distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put away wine from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord. I am a woman of troubled in spirit. I've drunken neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Hannah was groaning. She was groaning for a child. The Lord Jesus Christ was moved in a spirit at the death of Lazarus, and, and Jesus wept. Jesus experienced the common temptations we experience. And this word groaning, it's, its words cannot express some of the things that you guys are going through, some of the things that I'm going through. It's a word in the original language that means something unspoken, something wordless. Now, this is not speaking of tongues, Uh, Not a Pentecostal view of this because Paul is speaking of all Christians who are dealing with this, Uh, and tongues is not for all Christians. Uh, So I think he's speaking here of these longings that are so deep within the believer that only God knows, and God the Spirit knows. So we often don't know our own needs. Second of all, Owen says, and third, uh, we don't know God's promises. We, we don't know how God's promises apply to our needs. Or, and thirdly, we often don't know what we're asking for. We, we don't know our motives. Uh, Pastor Jason just went through the Gospel of Mark. And remember in Mark chapter 10, when Jesus says, I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified, he says to his disciples, guys, listen up. I'm going to Jerusalem to be crucified. And what does his disciple say to him? Lord, can we sit on your right hand? And your left hand, can we be part of your cabinet when you become elected to make Jerusalem great again? Remember what Jesus said to his disciples? This is a paraphrase of Alex Hong's version. You knuckleheads, you don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup, the cup of wrath? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Or what James says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your passions. Because we're often ignorant of our motives. Praise God that God says no to some of your prayers. Because if you said yes to them, you would drift away from the Lord. Yet God keeps us humble and keeps us dependent. And he gives us the helper. John Owen, I, I was fascinated by this statement, but he says that in God's great plan of salvation, he has given you two great gifts. Two. Two. That's the gift of the Redeemer and the gift of the Helper. So we have an advocate, an intercessor, one in heaven, one in heaven and an intercessor within us, two intercessors, Jesus Christ who always lives to make intercession for you and also the Holy Spirit who makes intercession for you when you don't even know what to pray. Isn't that encouraging? The Holy Spirit is at work in your life to help you pray according to the will of the Father. That's why Calvin would say that then there is no reason for anyone to complain that the bearing of the cross is beyond their own strength since we are sustained by a heavenly power. And that heavenly power dwells within you, in the Holy Spirit. Yes, beloved, we have the light of God's word. We have the counsel of God's people. But sometimes we might not have a clear answer from scripture or from the counsel of others. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in, to intercede on our behalf. And this should encourage you because sometimes it's okay to not know what to pray for. When we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers. And when the Holy Spirit helps us, we pray, Lord, your will be done. And therefore we should be hopeful and submissive Because God always answers prayers, whether it's a no, whether it's a yes, or whether it's a wait. He always is listening to our prayers, and he always answers our prayers. It might not just be according to our desires and our motives. Therefore, we are to have a submissive spirit in how God responds. Tim Keller says the spirit, even when you do not know how to pray, takes your core prayer and prays as you should be praying before the throne. When you struggle in prayer, you can come before God with the confidence that he is going to give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. He does care and he loves you boundlessly. What an encouraging thought. Aren't you thankful that God knows that we are weak? That God knows we need help? That not only do we have an intercessor in heaven, but we have an intercessor within us. Christians can be thankful because the Lord does send help. He sends a helper to intercede on our behalf. Hacienda, when you don't know what to pray for, um, here are a couple tips. When you don't know what to pray for, beloved, pray the Bible. Pray the Bible. Paul is not speaking about tongues, but again, he's speaking in wordless expressions that the Spirit takes before God. And, And who inspired the Bible but the Spirit of God? When when you don't know what to pray for, just pray the Bible in your devotions. Take a phrase that that was helpful to you and turn that into prayer. When you don't know what to pray for, beloved, pray the Psalms. The Psalms is God's prayer book, God's praise book. And when you don't know what to pray for, pray the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I I pray that in my prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, I, I find it so interesting that the Reformers, all the Reformers had the Lord's Prayer in their catechisms, Um, and they would expound that in the Lord's Prayer is everything we need to know how to pray. Jesus gives us a pattern. He gives us a model. uh, Three petitions relate to God and His glory and His kingdom, and then three petitions relate to our physical well-being and our spiritual well-being and to have strength to fight against the evil one. The Lord's Prayer is a template, a model, by which we have adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and petition. Um, I I appreciated Pastor Jason's prayer this uh, morning because there's adoration, there's confession, there's thanksgiving, and there's uh, petition. Your, Your pastor should model to you how to pray, and that's why it's so important to gather on a Sunday morning so that you can, in one sense, be catechized by the Lord's Day service as you go through adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. That's why... I appreciate this church because you guys pray. You guys pray. You devote time to prayer. You are deliberate about prayer. And our prayers should be biblical, should be coming directly from the words of Scripture itself. And friend, if you're not a Christian, before the Lord can intercede for you, Before the Holy Spirit can intercede for you, the Holy Spirit must do His convicting work before He does His interceding work before before you. In other words, the Holy Spirit must call attention your sin that is grievous against God. He must call attention and bring to mind all the ways you have offended God and deserve His damnation and judgment. And the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin so that He can bring us to Christ, the One who has died for our sin the one who has paid the penalty of our sin, the one who is a substitute for our sin. And more than that, the one who has been raised from the grave, who now intercedes for you if you come to him in repentance and faith. And then the Holy Spirit will intercede for you. But before he can do his, convict, his interceding work, he must do his convicting work. And he must draw you to Christ and into the love of the triune God. And you can do that today if the Lord is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. He helps us in our ignorance. And finally, He helps us in our obedience to God's will. He helps us in our obedience to God's will. Notice verse 27 And He, referring to God the Father, who searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. All that is saying is God knows your heart, God is omniscient. Psalm 44, verse 21, Would not God discover this, for He knows the secrets of the heart. Our 1 Samuel 16, 7, as we read in our scripturing, For the Lord sees, not as man sees, man looks on outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. God knows all things. Nothing is hidden from your Creator. You cannot lie to God. You cannot fool God. You can fool church members. You can fool your pastors, but you cannot hide from God. God the Father knows all things. And God the Father knows God the Spirit. Because notice in verse 27, it says, He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Now, that's an interesting phrase. Um, another passage is in 1 Corinthians 2.11, where it says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So, so Paul is drawing an analogy here, that within your spirit... No one else knows those things except you and God. And and the Spirit, likewise, somehow the Spirit is within God, the triune God, and God knows God. God knows God the Spirit. And God the Father knows God the Spirit, and God the Spirit knows the mind of God the Father. and, And somehow in this mysterious act, the Spirit of God takes our desires and makes it acceptable to God according to the will of God. And God knows that a true Christian desires to please God by obeying His will, to submit to God in Scripture. See, John Owen says that the Spirit directs our prayers to the glory of God. The Spirit helps us ask at the advancement of holiness and conformity to God. Or in his own words, the first work of the Spirit as the spirit of supplication of believers, is to give them an understanding of their real needs and of the supplies of grace, of mercy laid up in the promises of God. Without this, men never pray, and with it, in a sense, they are always praying. Or Dr. Marlon Jones says, if you don't know what to pray for, he says, it is always safe to pray for a greater knowledge of God, a greater knowledge of His love, a greater knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, And a greater understanding of his love towards you if you don't know what to pray pray for the glory of god pray for the advancement of his kingdom and pray that god's love would be real to you in an experiential way and the holy spirit is there to help you do that see the non-christian says my will be done but the christian says god's will be done even when i don't understand it so christian Pray and plead God's promises back to him. Pray the Bible and obey the Bible. And how can you know God's will but to read and obey his revealed will? (laughs) Wrestle with God in prayer. See, it's God's (coughs) will that we gather. It's God's will that we give him praise. It's God's will that the church be built. It's God's will that the church be holy. It's God's will that believers be baptized. It's God's will that we take communion. It's God's will, take care of the revealed things and God will take care of the secret things. Um, <coughs> um, I'm preaching on predestination and election right now at my church, Romans 9. And uh, you can imagine some shockwaves that are going through my church right now. Um, but uh, it's interesting that Calvin Calvin says that where God is silent, we should be silent. Because if you, if you seek to understand the secret things of God, he says you're entering a, into a labyrinth or a maze that you can never get out of. So it's foolish to try to seek the secret things of God when you're not even obeying the revealed things of God. So make sure you're obeying the revealed things of God and God will take care of the secret things. God will take care of the things He ordains before the foundation of the world. So if you want to know what to pray, beloved, pray what's already here revealed clearly in Scripture. Again, a Christian's ultimate desire is for God's will to be done. If you're not a Christian, that's your greatest problem, that you want your will to be done. And only the Spirit can remove blindness from your eyes to see the glory of Christ, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that that act is a miracle. Only the Holy Spirit can produce in you the illuminating light. Or as Calvin would say, men walk in the theater of the glory of God blindfolded. And only the Holy Spirit can help you, illumine you, and give you knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he does that through his word. God takes His Word and by His illuminating Spirit illumines that in your hearts so that you can know what the things of God are and have the mind of Christ. So I hope this sermon encourages you, Christian. I struggle with prayer. I'm sure you struggle with prayer. And we all need help with prayer, but praise God. God the Father knows everything we need. He has given us God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to help us in our prayer. So remember, when you are discouraged with prayer, remember that God has sent help. He will help you in your weakness, He will help you in your ignorance, and He will help you in your obedience. I recommend Tim Keller's book on prayer. It's fascinating, it's really good. This is my second time reading it. But in his final chapter, he concludes with a helpful illustration he says imagine that your soul is like a boat a boat with oars and sails and he gives four diagnostic questions and i want you to examine your prayer life in regards to these diagnostic questions he says number one are you sailing sailing means that you're living the christian life with wind at your back god is real to your heart you often see his love You see prayers being answered. When studying the Bible, you regularly see remarkable things, and you sense Him speaking to you. You sense people around you being influenced by the Spirit through you. So are you sailing? Number two, the second category of people, he says, are you rowing? Rowing means that you are finding prayer and Bible reading to be more of a duty than delight. God often, though not always, seems distant, and the sense of His presence is fairly rare. You don't see many of your prayers being answered. You may be struggling with doubts of God yourself. Yet despite all this, you refuse self-pity or the self-righteous pride that assumes that you know better than God how life should go. You continue to read the Bible. You pray regularly. You tend worship and reach out and serve people despite your inner dryness. And, And that's, I think, what most of us often feel. Are you drifting? The third diagnostic question. Drifting means that you are experiencing All the conditions of rowing, spiritual dryness, and difficulties in life. But in response, instead of rowing, you are letting yourself drift. You don't feel like approaching and obeying God, so you don't pray or read. You give in to self centeredness that naturally comes when you feel sorry about yourself, so you drift into self indulgent behaviors to comfort yourself, whether escape eating or sleeping, sexual practices, or whatever else. And then the fourth one, he says, Are you sinking? Eventually, your boat, your soul will drift away from the shipping lanes, as it were, and truly lose any forward motion in the Christian life. The numbness of heart can become hardness because you give into thoughts of self-pity and resentment. If some major difficulty or troubles were to come into your life, it would be possible to abandon your faith and identity as a Christian altogether. And he sums it up by saying this, praying is rowing. Sometimes it feels like rowing in the dark. You won't feel that you're making any progress at all, yet you are. And when the winds rise again, and they surely will, you will sail again before them. What a great illustration, isn't that? And I would add to Tim Keller's illustration, as you row, you actually have someone in the boat. Someone is in the boat to make sure you get home. And that person is the Holy Spirit working in you to conform you to the image of Christ. God's only beloved Son to bring you into eternal joy and eternal fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we know all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Because you have a helper within you, you have an advocate in heaven, and you have a Father who loves you. So Christian, if you struggle with prayer, God knows that you need help, and He has given you Himself. So take heart and be encouraged in your prayer life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us our Lord Jesus Christ, and that we can call you Father, not Judge, because he has given himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And thank you that you did not leave us as orphans when our Lord Jesus returned to heaven, but you have given us a helper a helper in the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, to make us be and be conformed to your son, to even use our weak prayers and the things we don't know what to pray for, even to turn our prayers into prayers according to your will, knowing that all things work together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Thank you, Father, for being with us. Lord, encourage us to pray. Encourage us to speak to you because you are our loving God. We pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen.